welcome back to the Telewars podcast, where we bring together two leaders from the video and television community with similar expertise and different disciplines to share their craft, debate their differences, and find common ground in their day-to-days. A fun introduction for you this week. My name is Dina Graham, senior producer here at the Telewars, filling in for our executive director, Sabrina Dridge. For this month's episode, we are venturing into the world of talent representation, and I'm so happy to welcome our two esteemed guests. We have Roxanne Artisona, advisory board member of the Commercial Directors Diversity Program, a Telly Award partner, and dedicated owner of talent agency Roxanne & Co. for the last 29 years. And on our other side, we're welcoming Patty Suyoka, production talent agent for the Gersh Agency, which is the sixth largest talent agency in the United States. So welcome, Patty. Welcome, Roxanne. We're so excited to have you both here. And thank you for joining us. First, I'd just like to hear a little bit about how you both started your career in representation and just a bit of background about the kind of talent that you guys represent. Roxanne, we could start with you. Tell us about who Roxanne Artisona is. So I started my career in advertising by accident. I was a dancer in my former life, and I was at NYU in an English lit class. And I sat next to someone whose girlfriend was a production manager for a production company, and they needed an in-house PA to answer phones and as such. And so I went and met her. She hired me under the guise that I could still like go out and audition and do my dance gigs. It was a production company started with like two madmen of the industry, the first African-American creative director in advertising and commercial director, Bill Mason and Dick Miller, who was notorious for, you know, Coca-Cola commercial. I want to teach the world to sing. I know I'm aging myself here (laughs) at any rate. (laughs) David Zander, who's the owner of MJZ was the rep of record at that time And I just fell into it. And I was like, sure, I'll do that for a little bit. And then I'll go back to dancing, cut to however many more years that is now. Never went back to dancing. Just went on my trajectory of becoming, you know, an agent in the industry. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you mainly represent directors in the commercial space. Is that right? Yes. Directors, designers, editors, visual effects specialists, composers, you know, anyone that works within the commercial and branded content space is who I represent. That's awesome. And uh, Patty, you represent a very specific kind of talent. I do. More so below the line. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Very good. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I'm very excited. I rep cinematographers, production designers, and costume designers in the commercial music video space, sometimes branded content, but mostly commercials and music videos. And the way that I got started was I grew up in L.A., so it was kind of easy to meet a lot of people in the entertainment industry. And I was going to college for (laughs) pre-med and I played soccer in college. And because of our soccer schedules, I missed every lab for biology. So I got a C. And my dad, who was a doctor, said, you're not going to medical school with a C in biology, (laughs) so you need to figure out a new major. And so I actually during that time. My younger brother had a friend whose dad was a film editor and he needed an intern. And so I went to intern for him and was brought on to Andy Garcia's feature film. It was called Just a Ticket and they changed the name of it. And so I kind of got a, a taste at a pretty young age and fell in love with it and just like fell in love with like working in Hollywood and all the creatives and all the people I had access to. And so I changed my major and ended up going to college for film production 
at Loyola Marymount. And then from there, I landed at a commercial production company, Tool of North America, which is based in Santa Monica. And so I worked there for a year and a half, almost two years, and just realized like that the production lifestyle was really hard. And it was really hard to have families and just like very run and gun and long hours. So a position on a boutique agency called the Scorus Agency opened up. I became the assistant to the main agent over there. And she worked mainly with DPs and production designers. I didn't realize at that time that cinematographers and production designers had agents. I always thought it was just like directors and actors and stuff like that. And so once I got a taste of that, I just really liked it because I, I enjoyed the people that I got to collaborate with. And from there, they promoted me to becoming an agent. And then I just kind of fell in love. And, you know, here I am a million years later. Yeah, that's so interesting because I think for some careers or for some areas of the industry, there's kind of one way to get into it. You know, to be a cinematographer, you just start shooting or you start as a camera PA and you work your way up. But there are so many different ways, I, I think, that you could fall into talent representation. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I didn't go to film school. I went to, you know, conservatory for dance at NYU. So very different. But it's not anything that anyone teaches you about or that there is a career for it or that you can make a living doing it. And very much like Patty, I love being around the creative process. So when I stopped dancing, I always knew that at some point in my life that I would be on the creative business side, you know, of something. I never thought it would be advertising or commercials. I always thought I'd be like a a fundraiser for a ballet company or something, you know, like I always thought I'd go. I'd stay in that world. But when this presented itself, it still lent that creative side that I need to have around me. You know, I need to be around creative people. Yeah, it's like the best of both worlds. It's like you get get to go on set or you get to like, you know, collaborate, but then you can step out and go to dinner. It's still tough because we're still dealing with the hours. We're still dealing with like, you know, those jobs that come in last minute, right? Right. There's an end to our day. Yes, exactly. We're not stuck on a set. Yeah, I, I exactly. agree. I mean, and then there isn't an end to the day because you're always thinking like, how can I get my director into this account or this agency or to work with these people, you know, but it is creative, you know, because you have to come up with solutions. I, for me, I, I, and it sounds like for Patty too, is what is exciting about the job. Yeah, to be involved, to be involved in that process, even though I'm not like, I can't, I could barely draw a stick figure. Like it's still like, you know, connecting this creative person with this creative person. There is a, an aspect of creating something, you know, during that process. And there's an art to that. You know, it's like looking at a talent, looking at a director or looking at, or listening to a composer or you know, seeing an editor's work and saying, this person should be working on this account, knowing how to connect those people, knowing how to take someone's career and convince an advertising agency when a director only has three spots on their reel, that they're right for the project, that they they could handle it, you know, just give them a shot to pitch it. So that that is definitely a skill set. I love that you were talking about how it's an art talent, you know, finding the right talent for the right account or the right project. Could you just share a little bit of insight into what your process is like and how you're able to balance, you know, that idea that it's part creativity, it's part business, it's part science? For me, I think it's listening to the talent first as to what it is that they want to be doing where they see themselves going, 
the work that they love, you know, even if it's not the work that represents them currently, you know, what they aspire to be. It's never just me or the talent. It's it's a triangle of the producer, you know, the executive producer, reps, and the talent. And then when all three of those are working well together, then you have magic. It's really important to understand what it is that, you know, who I'm representing, what it is that they want to do and what their goals are and helping to attain them by listening to that first. I totally agree. That's the sound of a, that's a, that's a good agent right there. (laughs) It's true though, because it is ultimately we're there to help people grow their careers. Right. And in turn, what ends up happening is our careers grow as a byproduct of that. And I'm in total agreement with Roxanne. Like that's how we kind of operate as well. You know, we really listen to what the client wants and, and the, the goals change, you know, as that person progresses and as they evolve as a creative, you know, someone who's just starting out, their goal is going to be probably to shoot a really big music video out the gate or like a big commercial, like, or even, you know, go from non-union to being union. And then someone that's been shooting for a while there or, you know, designing their goal for me on my side is going to be to transition over to the feature side you know, and how to kind of accumulate the work and the reputation and the contacts to help get them there. So it's, I'm totally in agreement with Roxanne. It is, the client does dictate, you know, how, what our process looks like, and it's different per person. You kind of have a sense when you kind of look at the broad picture of the director, you know, the types of talent that they would respond to. They've been working with big DPs for a long time or big production designers. I throw in a smaller up and coming person, because I'm going to guess that sometimes they're going to want to mix it up. And a lot of times it's going to be the new edgy person that they haven't seen before that might pique their interest, you know? So that sounds like a good agent. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. No, I, I think, I think it just, it's, it really is about listening to people and what they want and, and helping to collaborate with them and kind of figuring out, you know, what their goals are as their career evolves. I I 400% agree because it's about communication, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're communicating with your talent, you know, and you truly understand them, then it's easy to quote unquote sell them because you're acting on their behalf. If you don't have that connection emotionally to your talent, it never, for me, at least maybe for other people, for me, it doesn't work. If I don't feel emotionally connected, if I don't understand some part of them, where I could get in deep into their personality and I go, yeah, I, I get that. I understand that. If I don't connect emotionally with someone's work, it's really hard to sell them. Roxanne, I imagine that you do the same thing that I do, which is I take, a, I take my time when I sign someone because I have to get to know them and make sure that I like them and I like their work. And if I, because if I don't, then I know it's, it's going to fail, right? And I don't want to waste anybody's time. So you mentioned that, you know, the, the way that you get people work and the way that you work with your clients is it it differs between people and it's different per person. And I imagine that also translates to it being different per role. Uh, I mean, you know, Patty, you represent mainly below the line talent besides cinematographers and, and is working with a cinematographer different than working with a director? Is there just a different way that you go about getting those people work? It depends on, for me, it's just more about the individual versus what role they fill because if someone wants to just mainly do commercials, then the tra- then the trajectory is kind of the same, right? The process is kind of the same. It's like you fix, you know, you clean up the website, you make sure that they have the work to sell them to kind of get them to that next level. If they don't, then that's going to be the focus. Um, if they have the work 
and the website's clean, then it's kind of like really making sure to connect them with the right people, the producers and production companies and directors so that they can continue to level up and meet new people and kind of branch out and spider out to better opportunities. And then it just kind of like, in a way, snowballs and starts to happen on its own. If someone's not sure what they want to do, there's just a lot more guidance, a lot more like, oh, well, what about this? A lot more trial and error. And then, you know, the hope is that they kind of start to, to carve out, you know, where they want to go. And then, and then, you know, you just kind of figure it out. And then, you know, continuing a conversation to make sure that you're headed in the right direction because it changes. Like when someone has a, a, when a client that doesn't have a family gets married or has a kid, that changes everything because then money becomes a big part of the, the equation, whereas before it wasn't. Do you think that, I guess, is it, does it become harder when someone like a director is more specialized in the kind of work that they are, you know, they want to do or the one that, you know, the kind of work they want to work on versus, you know, somebody like a wardrobe stylist or production designer that is maybe prefers working on, you know, A kind of sets or or B kind of genres, but is can theoretically do anything. Here's the bottom line, you know, unfortunately, because there's so much talent out there, you know, uh, in my in my world, and I'm sure in Patty's world too, everyone gets put into categories. You know, hmm. this person's a comedy director, this person hmm. does dialogue lifestyle, this person... And, you know, the truth is, is that a good storyteller is a good storyteller. Sure. And it doesn't really matter what genre that is. However, those are anomalies and those are, I'll use, you know, I'll use a dancer as an example. Those are the Bavrishnikovs and the Nureyevs of the world. You know, those are very unicorns, you know, that have that kind of career where they're able to do a little bit of everything or start off as a you know, a beauty director and then wind up doing comedy and gaming. You know, that is very rare, that kind of trajectory, but it, it can happen. And that's only because there's so many people to choose from now. And it's global. It's not just here, you know, for me in New York, it's like all over the world and everything is accessible on the internet and people could look up directors anywhere they want and creatives at agencies, you know, do their own research. And they're like, oh my gosh, I saw this music video, but they never heard of this director. And then the next thing you know, that director is doing the new campaign for, you know, a Super Bowl ad. It's, it's, it's that random, you know, <laughs> at times. So you spoke a little bit about how you take a, a while to sign people to really get to know them and their work. What is your process for signing people? How do you find the talent and, and what does it look like for once you find them? Do you have a lot of freedom with choosing who you want to sign? There's a couple of ways I find people. One is um, Instagram is a great way. Wow. Yeah. Instagram is a great way because. Yes. Stalker on Instagram. Yeah. I, I'm totally stalking, <laughs> sliding into DMs. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I use it a lot to kind of learn about new directors, new, new talent out there. But most of my, the people I sign generally come from word of mouth. So I get a lot of producers or directors or other clients sending people my way. And that's nice when that happens because they're already kind of vetted. Whereas if it's someone I don't know and I don't know someone that knows that person, I kind of have to do a little bit more, a little bit more research because one thing that I have found has become really important when signing or working with people is they have to be not just talented, but they also have to be really production friendly and uh, likable. They're, it's, it's like the reputation, you know, it's hard to fix. 
And then, you know, a lot of people don't really enjoy working that person because they spend, you know, roughly what, 12 to 14 hours a day together. If they don't like that person, they don't want to spend 12 to 14 hours a day with that person. So um, I get a lot of, uh, I get a lot of clients that way, um, specifically in the production department. What we're really trying to do is we're really trying to focus on signing talent that does both. But, you know, we found some really incredible um like really interesting talent that mainly does either feature or that mainly does commercials and music videos. So when we have someone that doesn't have credits on both sides, you know, we, there's a conversation about it, but ultimately I usually have, we have a lot of freedom at Gersh to sign, you know, talent that we want. Um, and they don't really, there's a ton of autonomy. They don't really say like, it has to be this person. They have to make this much money. It's, it's more, they just leave it up to the agent. And then, Ultimately, we decide if they're a good fit or not, you know, after working with them. So you're really calling the shots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of. We're like little islands within the agency. And that's one of the things I think think really works for Gersh because there's a lot less pressure about, you know, hitting numbers. It's more about like, hey, let's create a roster that's really cool and inspiring. And that's going to draw in a lot of really interesting projects. That's the main focus. I started my business because I I came back from having my first child and I this is pre computers or internet or anything. And I walked into my office and literally sitting on my desk were ten three quarter inch reels <laughs> of, <laughs> of directors that they signed while I was away on maternity leave. And all of a sudden I had to sell these people that I I only believed in two of them. One of them having to, ha this is a true story. You could call this agency producer up and ask yourself. One of them was Simon West. He was, he was no one. No one knew who he was. He was straight from the UK. He had, a, he had a really funny, good reel. And my really dear, dear, dear personal friend, Ann Kurtzman, who is a freelance agency producer in LA, but then ran Cliff Freeman which was famous for all the Little Caesars ads, was the head of production. And we were both on maternity leave at the same time. So we went back to work and I called her and I said, I've got like all these new directors and I need honest opinions. So I trudged down to like her office with my 10 three quarter inch reels and, you know, my big backpack. And I show her Simon's reel and she says, it's, it's really good. And I literally say this to her, I was like, I am not your friend anymore give me that little Caesars board on your desk for him. And she's like, what has gotten over you? And I was like, I'm going to lose my job. Like, I need to get this guy a job. Like, I, I, you have to give me that board. And so we went into Cliff's office and they had $90,000 to do this job. And um, he was like, well, you're both going to lose your jobs if you can't make this work. And then that, that spot, we wound, Simon wound up doing the spot. And it won in Cannes. It won all the awards. And he went on to do a lot more Little Caesars work. I didn't lose my job. She didn't lose her job. And Simon went on to be, you know, a very prolific director who now, you know, has done many features and doesn't need that 90 grand from, <laughs> from Cliff Freeman anymore. <laughs> and that's why I started my business, because I didn't have the freedom to sign who I wanted and who I believed in. And right. that was one of the reasons after that and having like a heart attack every day, because 
I had all these directors that I had to represent because I was under contract with, you know, a production company. I ventured out on my own and and my and I picked the talent that I really I really wanted to work with. That's such an important part important part of being an agent. Right. And it, I think it really when you don't have that freedom and flexibility or like you know, the ability to choose, you know, people that you really connect with, it really affects, you know, how much you can help those people too. And in terms of trying to find talent, I will tell you that, yeah, I'm a stalker, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and prior, you know, I don't even, you know, I had stalking skills prior to the internet. When I started my business, there was one of the first directors I signed her name and maybe Patty remembers, I mean, she's still working, but not in the same way, Paula Walker. Do you remember? Yeah, her she, yeah, she okay. was at. Um, was it propaganda? What? What? what pro- yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I think she was at, at one point. But I had just started my repping service. A friend of mine was really good friends with her executive producer, and I went out to dinner with my friend, and I said, "Listen, I'm I'm going to leave my my day job. You know, I'm going to start this repping service, and I want to get Paula Walker as one of my." directors and you know her executive producer and I know they're looking for a rep so you got to make the introduction so she goes all right so she connects me the next day and he says to me we're already down the road you know we're almost under contract with someone and I said you've got to let me meet her like you don't have to hire me you just have to let me have the meeting (laughs) (laughs) that's a way to get in right and he was like why I said he goes give me three reasons why and I remember like kind of freezing I was like She's a woman. I'm a woman. She was a dancer. I was a dancer. Uh, she's black. I'm Puerto Rican Cuban. Those are your reasons. Like, I couldn't even, like, I don't even, like, it just, and he started laughing. He said, okay, fine. So I had breakfast with them the next day. And ironically, he didn't show up at the breakfast because he got fired, but she still wanted to meet me. She had her line producer standing in as the EP, who she ultimately hired as the EP. And they hired me and I worked with her for eight years. That's how crazy passionate when I get something in my head, right. when I like a talent enough, I will, I will go, you know, they could tell me now, go away, you're crazy. But, right. you know, my feeling is if I'm that passionate about finding you, then what do you think I'm going to do to try to help you get work? Roxanne, don't you think it's kind of like dating? I use that analogy with my, the people that I'm signing all the time because I tell them, I'm like, you don't want me to sign you fast because I don't we don't know each other you want to make sure that we, it's like a relationship you, you know you you want to make sure that we connect because if we don't connect then right. it's going to be an uphill battle but if you connect and are on the same page it's just like it's true it's true so yeah I've been a stalker I vet people sometimes people you know call me you know because they were re- recommended by someone else or connected by someone else but I never as an independent agent. I never, ever take on anyone that I don't believe in. I'm sure it's it's a lot about the relationship and it mm-hmm. probably feels so much more fulfilling to see somebody that you believe in succeed. Yeah. Well, and that's the, yeah, that's sure. the thing is like, it is very much a grind. There's a lot of parts right. of it that are a grind. And, and if you like the person that you're working with, you're, right. you know, and you're friends with them and you care about them, you, you're going to work so much harder because, you know, it's who doesn't want to see their friends succeed? You know, it is very right. fulfilling. And it's really fulfilling yeah. to watch someone who is like a new baby client and then to see them kind of evolve into like, you know, this incredible talent, you know, that's the really fulfilling part is like helping people grow. Yes, absolutely. 
How many clients do you represent at one time? I mean, that varies for me because sometimes for me, it's like companies that have many directors or it's a a director owned company or it's a, a music house that has, you know, a staff composer and then works with freelancers. I mean, it, Right now, I have 10 clients, you know, 10 clients. But within those clients, it's different variations of how many people are at those companies. My situation's similar. It's There's not like a set number of clients that we work with because they're constantly going from commercials and music videos to features and TV. So an example would be like just this week alone, I had four clients go on to features starting on Monday. So, you know... In terms of people that I'm on a consistent, I'm communicating with weekly, I would probably say it's like 25. And, you know, there's Marie and I and, and she and I both kind of handle some people together. And then there's some people I just take on by myself. Do you believe that there is an ideal number or it probably varies between, you know, between agents about what they can handle or what they prefer. But I'm interested to know that if you're working with below the line talent that is it better to have the numbers on your side or is it better to have you know a few people that you know are going to work very often i think it's a personal decision like there's those those agencies and the agents who like to have a lot of a lot of clients and they have huge rosters and that's totally fine i find those agents and agencies to tend to be more of booking agencies where it's less about management and managing the career and more about just like booking jobs Whereas for me, I came from a boutique. And so, you know, I'm a boutique with, we operate as a boutique within a full service agency, which is nice because we don't want to have these full, huge bloated rosters. We'd rather have smaller rosters with good talent that we can kind of like, they all kind of help each other, you know? Um, So I don't think there's a set number. I think it's really based on, uh, a specific agent and their style and the type of agent that they want to be. I prefer to be a more hands-on agent. So I can't have, you know, a ton of people. Um, it needs to be smaller. It needs to be more like, it needs to be more communicative. There's a lot of texting, a lot of phone calls, lots of emails. And when you have, you know, I would say I'm, I'm definitely pushing that boundary, you know, but when you have more than that, it's, you, you just don't have the time. You know, you just don't have the time to service all those people. I agree with Patty. I feel like, you know, there are agents that have huge repping services. You know, they have like, I don't even know. I I look at their rosters. I'm blown away by the amount of talent that's on it. But I also, it gives me a heart attack. Like I wouldn't, you know, that's hard to keep up with. You know, that's a whole other business model. For me, I, I have a much more intimate approach to how I work, but that's me. And that's what works for me. It's hard to get to know people when you have that many people, you know? Yeah. But, but some people don't want to get to yeah, know people and true. that's okay. Very true. You know, totally. like that works for like them. Like dating. <laughs> I can also imagine that, you know, using the COVID-19 pandemic as an example, I'm sure that obviously the industry shut down and I'm sure that was probably difficult for you as well in your area of the industry as well. Because when I think about during the pandemic, I I think about the lack of productions that were up and running. There were commercials to an extent were still being made. Some smaller corporate things were still being made. 
Because I, I think about directors not having work, but there were things for some cinematographers to be able to shoot. Did it? Did it? Did you find that your business slowed based on um, the talent that you were representing? Was it? Was it harder? So initially, obviously, from March what sixteenth, it was on my birthday. So on March sixteenth, <laughs> um, on March sixteenth, the world shut down. So I want to say probably for like a solid two and a half months, there wasn't really that much going on. And then all of a sudden we saw these work from home jobs kind of pop up and they were, they said, you know, production would reach out and said, um, which DPs do you have that have families? What camera packages do they have at home? And um, where do they live? Because you had these huge, big brands that were just like, hey, we still need to create content. We still need to make commercials and just find out who's where and then we'll have them shoot their families. And then we'll just piece together these commercials, which is what happened for like, you know, a solid three to four months. So for myself and Marie, we ended up, you know, not just negotiating the the cinematographer's labor, but, you know, we got them a location fee. We got them a camera rental. We got them talent fees for them and their kids right. and whoever. For their family. Yeah. And, and then we got, you know, and then we got res- like some some clients got residuals off of that, which was really funny. And then, you know, we got them like an art department fee because they had to take, literally, they would have to remove every single piece of furniture and picture from their house and give them a blank canvas. And then they would have to put everything back in there the way that the, you know, creative director or, you know, the director who would sometimes work remotely would tell them where to position the stuff. Or they would hire a production designer to oversee and then tell, you know, go into each home via Zoom and say, okay, move this there, move this there, take that off. So that was a big part for, you know, I would say like three months. I would say August of 2022 was when we really started to see things pick back up. It was stressful because we got into negotiations in areas where we weren't familiar and wanted to protect our client, but also make sure that they had money so that they can pay their bills. And and in a way, it was was less stress because you knew that you weren't going to wake up to hundreds of emails. But in a Mm -hmm. way, it was also super stressful because all these people that you cared about weren't bringing in money and they, you know, and you were worried about their well-being and their families. I'm sure there's a a feeling of responsibility that you have when you sign someone to find them work and to bring them work. And so I'm sure that that was really hard. In that case, I don't think, I mean, you could tell me, Roxanne, was there something like that that occurred for directors? Oh, absolutely. It was like, it was really scary. Well, first of all, you know, the fact that we all thought it was only going to be two weeks, that's scary enough. And that yeah, <laughs> now, this will be two weeks and then we'll all be fine. I have to say that I had clients that crumbled emotionally, you know, it was very hard for them to like, to see past what was going on and come up with, you know, solutions. But on the most part, a majority of my clients, you know, production is solving problems, Right. And so here we mm-hmm. were faced with one of the biggest problems. So how were they going to solve that to keep it going? And I will say that, you know, some of my clients were amazing at that. Others were frozen, you know, with fear. It was a scary time. You know, I'm very thankful that, you know, we've all figured it out and learned how to move forward and in this new world that we're living in. I don't think any of what's happened in the last two years is going to change much you know, I think we're going to continue on those paths of things are going to be remote. Zoom is here to stay. Some mm-hmm. clients are not going to show up on set, you know, because 
they found that they could still get it, the production done remotely and spend less money. You know, all the a lot of those things. You know, some of those changes are are good, but I think I've learned a lot about myself in the last right. couple of years. And I'm sure when you think about opportunity now that Zoom is here to stay and remote he is here to stay, it probably creates much more opportunity for your clients. The world as we know it in, in media production is going to be so much different moving forward. What would your advice be to people looking to be represented or looking to get signed? Well, one, it's really important to be likable and to and to be able to to have these open discussions when there's a problem. Because I think a lot of times people, especially like the younger, newer people who don't understand the politics or the importance of relationships, they'll come on set and they'll draw these really thick, hard lines and it just leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. So I think being a problem solver who's open to kind of maybe not always getting their way, but you know, finding compromise is really, really important. So having a reputation of being that sort of person on set is really important. The other thing I would say is there's not one sort of look that gets people signed. And I think a lot of DPs and production designers and costume designers on my side try to copycat other people whose work they are inspired by. And I think it's okay to use those people's work for inspiration, but try to be brave enough to find your own voice and to kind of take a risk and to push the envelope, because I think that the people that do that and get comfortable doing that are the ones that really make an impact and are the ones that kind of become these unicorns that can have, you know, their pick of jobs, the pick of the directors that they want to work with. They transition over to features because they're not scared to push the boundary. And I think you want to do that respectfully and not put production in a position where you're going to blow their budget. But right. you want to do it so that you're still you're creating and growing as a creative. And I think that that's really important. Mm-hmm. And so I think that would be my advice to anybody who's looking to get signed is don't be scared to, to, to try something that makes you feel afraid. It's probably going to get you noticed. I would say to add to that, it would be, be to be true to yourself and to take responsibility to do the work that you need to do to get where you need to go. That it's not a miracle you know, if someone believes in you, you can't just expect them to ju- just go find the work. You have to work together. It's a team effort. And production is about being a team. It's never it's never solo. You know, it's always about being a team. So I really think is to talent needs to be true to themselves, to what it is they really want to do and take responsibility. And that probably translates to any position, of course. Yeah, of course. That's a, I feel like people are going to be listening to this, taking notes, saying, now I know <laughs> to go to Roxanne and Co. And, and see, Patty <laughs> and Roxanne told me what I need to do. You're like, I did it. Here's my stuff. <laughs> this is what you said. <laughs> You're going to be getting exactly. a lot of Instagram DMs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's okay. I'll take I'm, it. Yeah, looking forward to it. Exactly. <laughs> And my last question for you, this is something we ask everybody who comes on to the Tell Awards podcast would be, what is something that each of you have learned from each other today? I learned that there's someone else out there that works at a, a different agency, reps different people that operates the same way that I do. And I love that because that's why our industry is so <laughs> awesome because like you have people who actually care and it's like... And, you know, today was a really hard day with hundreds of emails and I was just exhausted. And so so to find someone who just is like, 
a good person who really cares about people in this industry is just it's nice you're a bright spot Roxanne uh-huh. yeah thank you Patty I don't know I'm so I'm so I, for me, I feel the same. I, I guess what I, I learned today is that there is no difference, you know, between we might represent different people, you know, in different stations of our industry, but there is no difference in the process of how we do it. This has been such an amazing conversation. Thank you so much, Patty. Thank you so much Roxanne, of course. For, for joining us today. The last thing that I would say is that if there's something that I've learned in this conversation, it would be that the ideal talent agent for what it sounds like is somebody that actually cares about your career. And it's not just about the business side of it. There is an art to it. No, it's like, it's something that is a very important part of my life. And it like my, my clients, so many of my clients are my friends, you know, like, um, Mm -hmm. and so I, to not have this would be a big hole in my heart because it really is like a, a part of me, you know? It is. And so I just feel very lucky to get paid to do what I do. I bet your your clients sound like they're lucky to have you as an agent. Both of you. Yeah, we're it's a it's a nice little it's a yeah. nice little thing we got uh, going. Thank on. you. Oh, thank you both. Really, really appreciate it. And thank you for joining uh, uh so late at night, Roxanne, and thank you for making oh, it's fun. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you guys. Today's episode was produced by Dina Graham. Our editor is Alex Healy. Music is by Luciano Music Company. You can find us on all the social platforms at Teddy Awards. And I'm your host, Sabrina Dridge, and this is the Teddy Awards podcast. Hi, this is Dina, senior producer at the Teddy Awards. Are you a talented creative ready to show the world a new point of view with your work? We want to see it. We're currently open for entries and the early deadline for submission is December 10th. The Teddy Awards honors the best of video and television across all screens, but that's not all we do. Subscribe to receive the Telly Awards newsletter to stay up to date on our season, uncover inspiration and trends for your work, or be connected to the best talent this industry has to offer. You'll get access to past Telly Award winners from around the globe, trends and insights not available outside our database, including features with executive talent on our original series, Hot Takes, and first notice of our exclusive Telly Award events and programming. Make sure you sign up for free at the bottom of the page at tellyawards.com.